guys. Welcome to episode 199 of SwiftCast. This is Ashley. Steph. And Adam. And we have a great episode for you guys this week. We actually have a special guest joining us. And I'll just tease it by saying it is a singer who has a very unique take on some of Taylor's music. So stay tuned for that. If you haven't already, you should definitely listen to our Fearless Tour countdown episode that we put out last week. That was a really, really fun look back. It's always fun to reminisce about prior tours. Yeah, that was a blast. We've now done Fearless and Red, top 13 moments. And in the future, we will also be doing Speak Now and 1989. So definitely looking forward to those. And with the Fearless episode, we actually pre-recorded that a little bit in advance just so that we could get it out in conjunction with the actual anniversary of that tour. So because we did that, there was quite a lot of actually, for a change, exciting Taylor news that was out and that we didn't have a chance to talk about last week. So we're excited to catch up on all of that this week. There was. It seems like things are slowly beginning to happen and taylor is getting involved more and more in social media and the news so that's always a good sign so we're going to talk about that in just a minute and with this being episode 199 obviously our next episode is going to be 200 which is a big milestone for us and because of that we of course always want to celebrate with you guys incorporate you guys our listeners into the episodes however we can and like we've done a few times in the past we are going to be hosting a call-in episode and that's going to be taking place on monday may 22nd so when you're hearing this episode come out that will be just a few days away and as usual you can follow our twitter and we will be tweeting out the call-in information And we're going to have a chance for you guys to win gift cards, too. So it's going to be a really fun sort of birthday party celebration for us. Yes, actually, our birthday of four years just happened in April. So with episode 200, we figured this can just be a big celebration of 200 official episodes. We're actually well past that when you add in our special episodes. But this is going to be our official 200th episode. And it's right around our fourth birthday. So it's very exciting. So stay tuned to our Twitter page, which is SwiftCast13, for all the details about the specific time on Monday, May 22nd, and how you can reach us. Okay, so we really can't go any longer without diving into how exciting it is, all the hints that have been dropping for Taylor's new music. I'm so excited. I'm really excited, and I think we need to preface this for all of you listeners. We know nothing about what's actually happening. We just stay in tune with the news, and we want to report the news to all of you. And if you want to not have any kind of spoilers, we don't even know if these are spoilers because we don't know anything. But if you want to avoid this, please skip ahead on the episode because we're going to be talking about some things that have been happening in the past few weeks that may relate to new music. So backing up to May 1st, almost two weeks ago, There was a photo that was circulating Twitter, nothing really to authenticate it, but claiming to be a photo of a set piece from a potential new Taylor music video. Yeah, this was tweeted by an account called Pop You Love, and this account tweeted two photos 
they called the music video major in quotes and these photos are really interesting they look to me the first one looks like a really large clock kind of like an old-fashioned clock it's huge it does and it has like a lot of gears on it so it looks really maybe like old-fashioned i'm not really sure what to call it but right it looks like something you would see in a really old movie and you can see that there's what looks to be like a set behind it. You can see a ladder and you can see a table set up. So it does to me look like some sort of a set. So the second photo is pretty difficult to interpret what exactly it is, but it definitely looks also like part of a set. It's a bunch of metal pieces that have very like intricate detail carved into them and kind of look like they match the look of the clock in the first photo. It almost looks like these are pieces waiting to be assembled. So, again, we don't really know where these came from. We don't know that they're actually confirmed to be anything related to Taylor. But we have to wonder, and it's definitely exciting. It's hard to interpret the second picture, but I feel like it looks like set pieces that would go on a railing or on a banister or for something in a home. But I'm not exactly sure. And for me, the captions on these tweets were really interesting. The first one says, A little bird tells us this is a set piece from a major new Taylor Swift video. And she isn't coming back simple at all. And that part was in quotes. Isn't coming back simple at all. Wait and see. And then the second tweet said, Here's another set piece from the upcoming quote unquote major Taylor Swift music video. What is Taylor planning for TS6? Looking fancy. And what's interesting is this Twitter account looks to me to be pretty legitimate. I don't know who runs it. Obviously, that's a problem with Twitter. You just don't know these things. But these tweets were very quickly deleted after they were circulating around Twitter for a bit. So again, we have no idea if this is accurate, but we want people to be informed about it. And it's definitely interesting, especially with the other news that happened shortly thereafter. So shortly after these pictures were circulating, Taylor made her return to social media. And she did this when Haim was releasing their new song, Want You Back. First, she commented on their Instagram live video. And of course, she used 13 exclamation points. I just imagine her sitting there counting as she's typing them out, which is so funny to me. (laughs) Me too. And then like double checking to make sure. And so then the next day, she posted a photo of their song. And of course, as she always does, she had it paused at the 13 second mark. And the interesting thing was she captioned it that she was listening to their song until the end of time. That was the wording that she used, which they then responded with, we love you till the end of time. So... That fueled a lot of rumors that this clock and time theme is all related. Well, and what was really interesting about Haim's response was they included time. They spelled it out very long with multiple I's and M's and E's. And if you count it all up, it's 13 letters were used in the way they wrote out time. And then after this came just a flurry of news articles. And the very first one came from E! News, and the quote from this was, Taylor is working on her album Around the Clock and will be making an announcement soon. 
There you go with the clock and time theme again. And again, we could be completely wrong on this. If you all remember before 1989 came out, Taylor included all these photos of herself with roses when she was in Australia celebrating her birthday in 2013. And everybody thought the new album was going to be about roses. So this could be another just misstep from everybody. But it is interesting just the way things are lining up, especially when we have these photos from the supposed set of her new music video. I do have to say, though, that I do feel bad for Taylor because I'm guessing she didn't want any of this to be released. And that's why we're telling you to skip ahead if you don't want to hear any of this. But for me, it's just sad because Shake It Off was such a well-kept secret and nobody knew about it. And I'd imagine that she's really upset about this. I feel bad about the music video pictures, if those are actually true. But not about all these articles, because I feel like this is the time that she wants her name to start getting back into the news and for suspense to start to build for a new song and a new album. So I think that these articles are a good thing and they'll help her in the long run. That's a really good point because she does need some publicity. She's been gone for so long, so she doesn't need people to start talking about her. And one thing that was interesting in the E! News article was E! News is reporting Taylor will be making an announcement soon. And that's a direct quote. And for the past several years now, since we've been almost three years without an album, we've been wondering whether Taylor will do the normal promotion of an album or she'll just drop one. But here E! News is reporting she will make an announcement. And another thing to consider is that people will use Taylor's name in any way so that they can get readers. So you get all these bizarre stories about her. And this is good because it's actually true news. It's positive. It's everybody getting hyped up and anticipated for new music. So it's good to have her name back in the news in a good way. Well, yeah, after E! News had this article, then every single other outlet picked up on it. And it was just a million articles all over the place, pretty much saying the same thing. For example, Billboard said Taylor is working on new songs, quote unquote, around the clock. And Us Weekly now has Taylor on the cover of this week's issue. And it says Taylor is recording new music and is, quote, aiming to release an album this fall. And then one more was People Magazine, who said that Taylor is very excited about her new album and can't wait to share it with the fans later this year. Well, it's definitely reassuring to have something after so much time of having nothing. And I would hope that at least from the original E! News article that coming from them means we can trust it for the most part. Right. These sources are very reputable. When you're talking about E! News... Us Weekly, People, Billboard. Taylor has worked exclusively with E! News for some events. For example, I believe when she went to the Tommy Hilfiger fashion show just this past fall, it was exclusively with E! News. She's worked exclusively with People, for example, when she was in Britney Mac's wedding just last year. And Us Weekly, she's also worked exclusively with them. Sometimes they have collector issues just on Taylor and they do special interviews with her. So it's not like we're talking about sources like OK Magazine or the National Enquirer. And that's why we want to give you this information. 
And so after all of this happened, just last night on May 13th, there was a comment on Instagram where someone had posted a photo of Taylor on a magazine cover and someone else commented and said, literally, she just filmed the most expensive video in the history of music wrapped today. And this account, again, we can't really confirm who they are exactly, but it does line up with all of these other reports. And you know what I just thought when you said that? It would make sense that the film would wrap on the 13th. Oh, that's a good point. She's so extra about her 13th. She really is. <laughs> Which is why we love her. But yeah, I don't know about that source at all, but the way that the Populove account that we talked about earlier discussed the music video it sounded like it's expensive and extravagant so we'll see so we wanted to catch you up on all of this and i'm sure that as soon as we're done recording there will be more articles and more pieces of info leaked because that seems to always be what happens right especially when things are actually starting to happen it's as you all know very difficult to keep up with taylor news when she's active And so this is being recorded on May 14th, and if anything else happens, if we don't cover it on this week's episode, you always know we'll be covering it the next week. And as we've mentioned before, the drought was the very worst, but guys, I think we're starting to come out of the drought. I think so. It kind of reminds me of, if you all remember, before Red was announced, Taylor made a Facebook post in July of 2012. And she wrote that she was sitting in this room with a bunch of people and making very important decisions. It was a long post where she detailed all of that. And then at the end, she said, stuff is about to happen in all caps. And that just always is something I remember because it was so exciting. We knew we were going to get new music. And for me, all this stuff is just in my head. I'm thinking things are happening. We're going to have new music soon. And it's going to be really exciting. And... I just really want new music. I miss Taylor. It's been almost three years. So now that we're all caught up on that, we're going to throw it back to some of Taylor's older tweets and Tumblr posts. Our first one is from May 13th of 2009. Taylor tweeted, The car just arrived to take us to the airport. Taped to the seat in front of me is a sign. Taylor, don't forget your retainer. Dad. Nice. (laughs) I could totally see Scott doing that. Remember when she did vlogs and she did one where she had to go get a new retainer because I'm pretty sure she threw hers away by accident? I do remember that. Is because is it because she threw it away or did she break it? Or maybe you're right, she, she lost it or threw it away? Something like that. I remember Andrea was with her. Mm-hmm. Our next tweet is a very simple one from May 8th, 2010. I've been eating Cheerios like it's my job lately. I like that one because I like Cheerios too. <laughs> and the next one is also food related from may 11th 2012 this thing where i go and get donuts every night at midnight is just a phase right p.s i'm fine (laughs) i think we all go through those phases in 2015 taylor was really active right around this time on tumblr so we have a bunch of tumblr posts from early and mid-May in 2015. And this first one is just great. It's a screenshot of her text messages with Ed Sheeran. And she captioned the post, never not rhyming with Ed. And in the post, it's her phone screen. And she wrote to Ed, go to sleep. I'll talk to you soon. And Ed wrote, 
In a bizzle, swizzle. Taylor responded, like you said, Ed. And then Ed responded, that's okay, Tay. And then he said, you'd think for multi-platinum lyricists, we'd do better. (laughs) I love that one. I'd love to see more of their texts between each other. Absolutely. It's got to be a lot of funny stuff, not just like serious business type stuff. It's got to be humorous. The next one was also posted on that same day, May 4th, 2015. I will never forget this. Taylor posted a very low key arrival in Tokyo. Hashtag 1989 world tour. And it's a photo of just the absolute mob scene at that airport. I can't even imagine what that was like. Tokyo always has such enthusiastic fans at the airport. I don't think we're able to do that in the United States, are we? Not really, because it seemed like these fans are literally right where she gets off the plane. Yeah, I always love it. Remember the one year she went there? It was right before she performed for the Red Tour. So her hair was already cut short because that was the last dates for the Red Tour. And she was just astounded by all of the people who came out to the airport in Tokyo. And she's trying to film all of them on her phone and she can barely figure out how her phone works. And I just love how enthusiastic they are. Every time she's there, she gets enormous crowds at the airport. Yeah, and they're all very respectful. I feel like they're just there to cheer her on. Exactly. It's not like there are a lot of paparazzi trying to get all these photos. It's just fans with their phones wanting to get photos. So that's a good thing. Well, then later that night on May 4th, Taylor tweeted, Tokyo, we're so excited to see you. We went to the stadium tonight to watch the stage get built. See you tomorrow. So that was the beginning of the 1989 World Tour. And along with that post, she included a photo of her and her dancers all sitting on the big propeller stage. It's so funny because we didn't know what that was at that time. You're right, we didn't. And then after taking that photo, I assume that all of her and her singers and dancers went out to dinner because she posted a video on Instagram and it was titled, How to Peel Jumbo Shrimp That Is Very Hot, a Tutorial. It's a short little video of Taylor trying to peel her shrimp, and it's really hot, and she goes like, ow! (laughs) I love that video. On May 16th of 2015, Taylor tweeted another photo, and she wrote, playing my alien space piano at Rock and Rio. And so that was a photo during Wildest Dreams Enchanted. And that officially coined the name Alien Space Piano. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I'll always remember that performance for the special guest that it had, which was Ed Sheeran, and they sang Tenerife Sea. Oh, that was great. It's really hard to find video of that because it seems to be removed from YouTube all the time, but I've seen a few clips of it and it's awesome. Well, last year on May 11th, 2016, was the night that BMI gave Taylor the Taylor Swift Award, which was pretty cool. Yeah, I think she was glad they didn't give the Taylor Swift Award to someone else before she got it. Yeah, I wonder if they'll ever honor someone else with the award. I hope they do one day. I think so, too. Can you imagine receiving that award? High praise. And our final throwback tweet was from May 12th, 2016. Taylor tweeted, dance like no one's watching. And she tagged Apple Music and The Darkness And this was the really awesome commercial where she danced to I Believe in a Thing Called Love. 
I love that one. I feel like I watched that one or two times when it came out, but then I just watched it again today, and it's such a good video. She's having so much fun dancing around. It's a good commercial. And the past couple of weeks have also been very busy for many of Taylor's friends, so we have quite a few items to catch you guys up on in our squad tweets. The first one is from Haim, and on May 10th, they tweeted, Our album, Something to Tell You, is out July 7th, 2017, which you can now pre-order. It opened up for pre-orders on Friday, May 12th, so you can go pre-order it if you want. A few days later, Haim also tweeted SNL Tonight with a bunch of hearts, and SNL Tonight was repeated a bunch of times as well, signifying that they were really, really excited about performing. And they did perform on May 13th, and it was great. I thought it was great to see them again. I hadn't really seen them perform since the 1989 World Tour, and it was good to see them back. They were awesome as usual. And it reminded me just how much I missed Estee's faces. (laughs) She does have the best expressions. And they just really come together as a group. I feel like their music is so lively and happy. It is, even with them singing some pretty emotional lyrics. It's all always very upbeat. And the next piece of news is from Ed Sheeran on May 3rd. He posted... Here's the Galway Girl video, shot by me, thanks to everyone who was featured in it. And it is such a cool video. It really is. This is one of my favorite songs on the album, and the video is so unique. It's all shot by Ed, and they go to a bar, and they go outside, and they meet some dancers, and then they ride bikes around. And his co-star in the video is the Irish actress Saoirse Ronan, which is pretty cool. And on May 12th, Ellie Goulding tweeted, First time video is coming. And she included a screenshot from the video. So it looks like she's in a field of golden flowers. And I have to say, I'm very excited for this. It looks like a really cool shot. Yeah, it does. It looks like just from this screenshot that the video will be pretty intricate. Another friend of Taylor's with new music coming out is Selena Gomez. On May 12th, she tweeted, Hashtag bad liar, and she wrote the date May 18th. So that's coming up here very soon. And finally, the Billboard Awards account tweeted, I'm waiting for it. That Lord Billboard performance, I want it. May 21st at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific on ABC. And it appears that they used a special emoji, a traffic light, which I think is so awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. That would be a good performance. I can't wait to see how she performs it and if she includes a lot of the lighting and dancing and special effects that she did at her Coachella performance, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Yeah, hopefully it might give some insight into her tour. And that's all we got in the world of Taylor's Friends. And we caught you up on the new music-related news earlier in this episode, but we have a few other news items to catch you up on now. The first one's exciting. There is an exhibit at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it's called the New Rock Hall Exhibit. And this exhibit celebrates Rolling Stone magazine because it's actually at its 50th year, so it's celebrating its 50th anniversary. And Taylor has a video clip included in the exhibit, 
And for those of you who don't know, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in Cleveland, Ohio. So if you want to take a road trip or a big trip, or if you're around that area, you can definitely go check it out. Rolling Stone is obviously a huge deal, and it's pretty cool that they're including her in their 50th anniversary exhibit. Obviously, they think she's important, so that's awesome. Yeah, and it's hard to tell because we've only seen photos. None of us have actually been to the exhibit, but it looks like Taylor's prominently featured in the video in the actual exhibit. Well, Big Machine sent out a nice tweet this past week, and they said, Can you believe Tim McGraw by Taylor Swift was certified gold 10 years ago? Where has time gone? It is hard to believe that was 10 years ago already. Well, Ryan's header was recently being interviewed by Access Hollywood, and this was a pretty funny interview because he actually forgot the name of I Know Places. (laughs) Did he really? I mean, you have to admit that he writes so many songs for so many people. I'll give him that. And he mentioned that when you write with Taylor, you pretty much are just an editor. So I guess it makes sense that he might not remember because he didn't have a huge role in writing the song. And he praises Taylor a lot in this interview and says she's an amazing writer. And obviously he loves working with her. So I hope that we see them work together again. Yeah, me too. Well, Taylor is back on Tumblr. It's been quite a while, but she was liking some posts that were pretty funny where fans took the lyrics of Better Man and rewrote them as if Taylor were writing a song called Better Cat. And some of these lyrics were really funny and included really funny photos. For example, somebody included a photo of Taylor's huge scratch mark on her leg and underneath said, And I see the permanent damage you did to me. And then somebody wrote, sometimes in the middle of the night, I hear you meowing again. (laughs) And I just fed you and I'd be in bed too if you were a better cat. And then along the lines of Taylor's big scratch on her leg, somebody included a photo with the bandage over it and the lyrics. I wish it wasn't 4am bandaging myself again, saying to myself, you know, she didn't mean it. So there are some funny shots of Meredith, too, in these posts. Yeah, this was a really clever post. So if you haven't seen the whole thing, it's very long. You can go check it out on Taylor's likes on Tumblr. As we know, Taylor likes sending gifts and cards and things to fans. She did it for Christmas a couple years ago, and she continues to do it to this day. She sent flowers and a card to a fan who just had her graduation. That was pretty cool. Taylor's always wanting to interact with fans and connect with fans. And I really just liked the message she had in the card. She even included a drawing of New York because the fan is going to be in New York. And it definitely has to make you wonder what Taylor has up her sleeve for fans as we get closer to this album. I feel like she must already know exactly what she wants to surprise us with. She has to know. Taylor's such a planner. When you think back to the secret sessions and how she was searching and finding people for months and months beforehand, she has to. And you know it will be something different because Taylor never does the same thing twice, so it will be exciting. We've joked around before about how the only way she could top herself is by having a slumber party or something. (laughs) But I think she'll easily 
find a new and exciting way to involve the fans in album six. And our last piece of news is that it was announced that Taylor wrote a piece about the country singer Brenda Lee, which is going to be featured in a new book called Walk the Line, which is coming out in September. And that book is sort of a compilation of essays. And there's also a piece about Taylor in the book written by a reporter from USA Today, which seems like it will be really interesting. And Brian Mansfield, who has been a huge, huge supporter of Taylor's career, and he's obviously very big in country journalism in Nashville, was the one who broke the news about this book. So I'm sure it will be great, and I definitely can't wait to read it. Yeah, we were just talking about how Taylor wrote a piece for Ed because he was selected for Time Magazine's Time 100. And we were talking about how we just love to read Taylor's writing, not just song lyrics, but just when she writes for Time or the Wall Street Journal. So I'm really excited to read about this. And I would bet that Brenda Lee was influential on Taylor's own songwriting and work as a country music artist. And you have to admit, it's pretty cool that Taylor's going to be included in this book because it's featuring all the women in country music who really defined what the genre is today. And so that's all we have for our news for this week. And we will be right back with our main discussion. So joining us now is singer-songwriter Andrew Galucki. And we recently learned about him because he is about to release an EP titled Swift which is a cover album of Taylor's best heartbreak songs. And he's going to tell us all about it. He basically took some of his favorite heartbreak songs of Taylor's and reworked them and put them into this EP. And it seems really, really cool. So we're very excited to have Andrew join us. Hey, Andrew, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, I'm really excited to dive into my, my new project with some fellow Swifties. So the EP's name is Swift, and it's going to be coming out on June 1st, is that right? That's correct. It's an EP, I call it an album as well, just because it seems like a blurry line these days. Um, but in an EP that takes my favorite heartbreak songs of Miss Swift and kind of takes them all into the 1989 style um, in my opinion, uh, one one song off of it is off of 1989, but the rest of them all get kind of brought up from country pop to the retro 80s pop that she did so well in 1989. And uh, it was uh, super exciting and fun to, to work on. So what made you go with only the Heartbreak songs? Um, I think it was, one, because my favorite Taylor Swift songs have been Heartbreak songs. I think my favorite all-time like top two Taylor Swift songs would probably be All Too Well and Last Kiss, which I've also seen a lot of, I think, fans say similar things at times. And so in order to really like to die, I knew it was going to be a very extensive project and I wanted to be fully committed to each song. So I knew picking the Heartbreak songs meant I would be in love with the songs as I did it. And I think I also had this, I think I, I came up with part of the idea looking through Spotify playlist at one point and I was, I was kind of new to the Spotify game and I saw that, you know, they have all these different coffee table playlists, all these different moods. And I was like, what if I made an EP that was kind of like mood based instead of just, you know, 
a title. So it might, I think it was kind of playing off the idea of having like a heartbreak playlist, but it was just Taylor Swift in that sense. Well, without any further ado, we're very excited to be premiering one of the songs for the first time. So here's your exclusive first listen of Last Kiss, and then we'll dive more into the album. I still remember the look on your face Lit through the darkness, 158 Words that you whispered, just us to know You told me you loved me, so why did you go?
So I think this is really cool. And for me, it reminds me of how Taylor transformed Love Story into thematically 1989. It fits so well with the whole tour. Did that inspire you at all? Yeah, I, I remember seeing... Was it, it was one of her uh, TV performances where she did Love Story. I'm sure she's done it many times. But I remember first seeing it on like a TV performance of, of something. And she took Love Story and uh, brought it up to this really cool synthy 80s. Kind of reminded me of like M83 vibe. And I remember thinking that was awesome. So I was so doing this project. It was kind of like I was trying to imagine if she did, yeah, an EP that was all doing that to all of her songs and and i wanted to do it in a way where i was proud of it as a, as an artist but I, I in the back of my mind the whole time i was hoping it would be something that if she heard it she would think they did what i would have wanted to do to these songs if i were to make them more you know modern or just in line with 1989 so it's definitely in the back of my mind yeah that's so cool and i think she absolutely would appreciate all of the work and just uniqueness of each song. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, and after having had the chance to preview the entire EP, my only question is how you were able to even narrow it down to four songs. Yeah, that was it was tricky. Um yeah, like I said, the, the two definite ones were Last Kiss and All Too Well because especially like she's got a knack for many things and one of them is writing gut-wrenching bridges. And I think All Too Well and Last Kiss, the bridges in there are just like hit you right in the face, which is one of my favorite things. And so those those two were definites that came easy. I knew I wanted uh, I, I wanted to have at least one song from most of her albums. I didn't have one from her debut album, um, but if I ever did a volume two, I'm sure I would dive back even further. But uh, I knew I wanted to have one from 1989. And I kind of messed around with where I landed, uh, which is I wish you would. And I landed on that one, but I was kind of messing with, I really liked Are We Out of the Woods. That was one of my favorites from the get-go. And so I figured that one could kind of have a cool, moody redo. And Stay also had the potential to have a really cool feel if I did that one laid back. But uh, uh, I just kind of messed with them on my own and then... I wish you would kind of had an arrangement that I liked the most. That one's the closest of all the songs that sounds like similar to the album. I still think it sounds pretty different. It has its own unique thing going on, but it's definitely the closest to the original. And then You're Not Sorry was another one that was my favorite. I saw Taylor Swift play after she came out with Fearless and she was with Keith Urban. I don't know if you guys saw any from that tour. I didn't, but I remember it very well. Yeah, yeah. And so that was kind of right as she's, you know, booming. And uh, I had liked, I'll explain in a second how I found out who I, how I discovered Taylor Swift. But basically, I was at that concert. And I remember that song just like stood out because I remember the bridge, they had this kind of like dueling guitars moment. And like, it was just this really great, emotional, awesome version of the song. And it was just like the record, but they, they nailed it. And so that song's always been like one of my favorites. And so that one was uh, was a no-brainer as well. And then uh, I knew I just wanted to have like four or five just to make it feasible for myself and for my time because I knew, um, I guess I can dive also into the back-back story of the EP in a second, but I knew I would only have so much time in my life. I couldn't record like a full album of covers, like 10 songs. So 
four felt like I could pull it off. And from there, it was just a matter of weaning out ones that didn't have arrangements in my head that I thought were as good. Well, I think I personally would have gone with those four as well. Oh, perfect. Well, that makes me happy. They're so deep. And when you're going for a heartbreak song, you can't really go wrong with those. Yeah, right. That's what I felt. And I find it really interesting how, for example, a song like All You Had to Do Was Stay, when I listened to it, the 1989 album version, I never really thought that much about how sad the actual lyrics were because it's such an upbeat, up-tempo pop song. But then I saw someone perform a cover of it one time, which was purposely making it more of a heartbreak ballad. And Mm -hmm. it works perfectly as both, which I think is pretty rare for any song. Oh, yeah. And to be able yeah, to have it work great on both. I think I also, part of the thing I wanted to do with this was kind of pull from some of her deep cuts that I knew her fans would really appreciate. Like, All Too Well, Last Kiss, They Never Were Radio tracks. You're Not Sorry, I don't think that was ever on the radio as a, as a main cut or single. Actually, it was a single, but it was never as one of her biggest ones. And then Wish You Would wasn't one of the, you know, main single driven tracks off the 1989. So I kind of wanted it to be an album that her fans would feel like these were some songs that everybody that I know that likes her likes, but that they weren't over covered because there's everybody now, if a Taylor Swift song comes out uh, the next day, there will be like a million literal covers. So I didn't want to just add to another pile of millions of covers. Yeah, that's a really good point, especially when you had the Ryan Adams cover of Mm -hmm. 1989. Right. But in a way, this kind of reminds me of Ryan Adams, how he just made it so uniquely his own work. And here you only used one song from 1989. Right. And made all the other songs so unique. Yeah, yeah, that actually, that brings up the, the origin story of this concept, which ties in with Ryan Adams. I don't know how long ago. Do you know how long ago Ryan Adams came out with that? It was like a year and a half. Yeah, it was like about a year after 1989 came out. Okay. So, yeah, probably two, two and a half years ago, whatever it was, about six months before I ever heard about Ryan Adams saying, I was thinking, you know, of, of, I've done a decent amount of covers just on YouTube. And so I was kind of thinking about what my next project would be. And 1989 was... I think unique in my lifetime, or at least in my conscious lifetime of being an album that one that I enjoyed so much and two that was so known on a widespread basis. And so I was like, I haven't really seen anyone do this, but it would be cool to do a a cover album of the entire album. And I was like, and this would be an album where like one, it would be enjoyable because it's, I love every song on it. And two would be potentially a great exposure tool because it's such a, you know, unparalleled popular album in what I had seen in my lifetime. So I was like, I think I'm going to try to do a cover album of the entire thing. I was going to try to do it. I don't remember. I think style wise, it was going to be kind of similar. I don't remember what my, my angle was going to be, but basically I started telling my friends that I was going to like produce it with. And I, I emailed a couple buddies. I was like, wanted to have them featured on it. And a couple people couldn't do it. And like, enough things happened where the momentum kind of stalled. And I was also intimidated by the workload of having to record, you know, an entire album. And so it kind of stalled for a few months. And then like six months later, I was on Twitter and I saw Ryan Adams post with the exact same idea. And half of me was super jealous and like, I should have done it because Taylor Swift's like 
posting about it and super excited. And I was like, oh my God, I, I should have done this. And then the other half of me was like, well, realistically, I probably would have been finishing up the album as a no-name artist, getting close, being super excited about like revealing the idea. And then I probably would have been like finishing the final mix and I would have gone on Twitter that night and seen Ryan Adams post. And then it would have been completely devastating because he would have taken the whole shock factor of that. So part of me is glad I didn't do it. And the other part is a little sad that I didn't do it really quick and beat Ryan Adams to the punch. But Yeah, that's true. But we're hoping soon there will be new music. So maybe you can just work quickly. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So so that was the initial idea. And then uh, when that kind of happened and I saw that the idea was already kind of done, I was like, well, uh, I just kind of sat on it for a while. And then I had the idea of kind of seeing the playlist and thinking, well, what if I did a cover album of all the Heartbreak songs? And that was a little while ago. It was probably a year, year and a half. And then I kind of worked with, with some, some friends slowly over time to kind of get them all to a point where I liked them. And, and then here we are. Was there any of the four songs that was the hardest to figure out the arrangement for or that you worked the longest on? Um, as I was prepping, All Too Well was the one that intimidated me the most. I think one, because it was my favorite, but I'd also tried to like cover it with my like acoustic guitar. Before. Not like I hadn't tried online or anything, but I'd messed around with it and like it never, it never felt like it was doing anything justice. And so... I was really afraid of that one turning into like, I grew up going to church. I was afraid of it turning into like, um, for anyone familiar with that word, like a, a, a CCM, like Hillsong ambient, like vibe that was just kind of, kind of similar to the original, but just more buildy and, and ambient. And I, I just didn't want it to be the same, but I felt like it was going to end up inevitably being the same. So that idea of the vibe that it ended up landing on kind of came from and it, and it sits people listening won't have heard it, it sits kind of in this kind of more electronic space i use a, a vocoder which is like a, a vocal layering thing i use like autotune as like a intentionally to get that autotune to think of like i don't know uh t-pain he's kind of the guy who made that famous yeah <laughs> So I, I kind of ends up in that space, which ends up being, I think, very different than the original, but still has the complete structure. And so once I kind of found that space, it came pretty easily and I it became one of my favorites on the EP. But that one was, yeah, going for a long time, I just had no idea what I was going to do to make it stand out and uh, ended up being really happy with it where it landed. Well, you mentioned this a few minutes ago, but I'm definitely curious to hear more about how you first discovered Taylor and became a fan. Yeah, she it, it'll always her first album will always have like a a special special place in my heart because I grew up in New Hampshire and so my dad actually he listened to country music casually, I guess. We'd listen to the the stations we had in our area and he'd buy like Kenny Chesney, something about upper, you know, middle-aged white males seemed to love Kenny Chesney and Jimmy Buffett and all of those. It was something, something about their music. Um, so he had all those guys and then he'd branch into like the Shania Twain's and all that world. And so Taylor Swift came out with her first album and my dad bought it and we would, uh, in the summer we'd hang out. We had a, a pool in the backyard and we had some like speakers around the pool. So he just started playing it when we'd be out by the pool and so it became like this, I have like this moment 
this memory of like Dusk and Tim McGraw, not the guy, but the song by Taylor Swift playing in the background. It's kind of, it's the whole album sits in this kind of like, it has ups peaks and valleys, but it has this kind of more mellow vibe throughout a lot of it. And so it just, I just have this memory of that vibe of that entire album sitting out at like dusk by the pool in like high school and kind of the, the comfortableness of being in your home in your hometown before, you know, moving off and doing all that. And so that album introduced me to her and I had this strange idea that I think because she was one of the only like famous people that was like close to my age and was also not like pop edgy superstar. And so in my head, I was like, well, I probably I just should date Taylor Swift um, <laughs> is what I decided by my pool in New Hampshire. And so, uh, so yeah, in my head, it was kind of this double fantasy of pool life, loving, loving the album, hanging out there. And then me also being like, yeah, we'll probably, we'll probably move to Nashville and date Taylor Swift and it'll be cool. And so that kind of was a running joke, mostly propelled by me. And uh, from there, I just kept following her music as it came out. I'm trying to remember as it grew. I enjoyed her music from the beginning, and then I think I enjoyed it even more. Like, probably by the time, like, Red came out, I was, like, extremely excited. Like, it wasn't just, like, a casual, another, like, artist. It was one of my favorite artists at that point. It went from, you know, one of many to, to one of my favorites at that point. So it just was kind of a slow burn. And, uh, yeah, I never, you know, ended up dating her as my 16 year old self thought would happen, but, but I think it all worked out. Well, that story is kind of funny because just the way you described it actually reminds me of the Kenny Chesney song that's called I Go Back where mm, yeah, he's talking about yeah. how a particular song or, or even an album just takes you back in time. Yeah. And for you, the debut takes you back to that summer. This is true can't escape kenny hashtag true country fans <laughs> he's chasing me down crazy guy yeah yeah that's yeah i listened to like i'm trying to remember my dad had old blue chair was one of the albums it didn't have a lot of radio time but it's like he, i feel like he would alternate between like a radio album and then he'd do like a beach album and then he'd do yeah radio. he'd basically be a like jack johnson and then he'd go back to country kenny chesney and then he'd be jack johnson again just kind of jump around so have you been able to see Taylor for every tour? I haven't. No, I've uh I've been on a, a poor musician budget for most of my life. But um I'm trying to remember I may have only seen her, if I'm remembering correctly, for that first time, which makes me, you know, not as, as swifty as some of the others, but but yeah, I think that might have been the, the first and I, f I don't know why I have a feeling there was another one, but I can't Oh, actually, <laughs> I think the reason I think there was another one was because I was supposed to go with my ex-girlfriend and then she broke up with me like a month before and then I didn't go. Oh, that's terrible. But for she, there were her tickets. So at least I didn't buy her the tickets and then get, you know, <laughs> dumped and then not get able to go. But yeah, yeah. So that was, I think that's why I was thinking I was, that was right after, was after Red. So we were going to go see the Red Tour. So I missed out on that one but I was almost there. Well, unfortunately, there's no Red Tour DVD, but luckily there is the Speak Now and the 1989 live videos. Yes, which I've seen the 1989. Did you guys get to see the 1989 one live? A couple times. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, we're kind of embarrassing. We go <laughs> too much. No, that's that's wonderful. I love it. 
it's really just always so interesting for us to compare and contrast her tours over the years. And every tour, she always brings at least one or two of her old songs in a new and reimagined way, which yeah is just exciting to see how much effort she puts in because a lot of artists wouldn't bother doing that. Oh, yeah. And the whole thing with like having guest people on for each night of this one was really cool. I have a question for you guys. Did you guys watch the video on Apple? Yeah, we did. Did you at all find the amount of jump cuts? Maybe this is well documented within the Swifty community as being a thing, but it did you find it all distracting about how fast it would change? Some of the editing, you mean? Yeah, like when I watched it, I found myself slightly overwhelmed. Like I couldn't fully take in like the coolness effect of the staging because it felt like there was literally uh, like jump cuts every maybe like second or second and a half. So I was curious if other, when I watched it with my roommates, we all kind of agreed, but I never like talked to anyone else about it. And I was curious if that jumped out to you guys at all. Yeah, I know what you mean. I thought it was in parts a little jumpy. And what always surprised me about that whole thing is how quickly they edited it. Yeah, yeah. It was just a matter of two weeks or something. Oh, really? So I don't know if that was part of it, but I do agree. Sure, sure. I think the editing in, for example, the Speak Now World Tour or Journey to Fearless seemed more seamless to me. Yeah, sure. I guess maybe it feels more like you're at the show. Mm-hmm. But I'm just happy we have something to document it. Remember? Yeah, yeah. My only real complaint is that I wanted more of the special guest footage, full performances of everything. For sure. Yeah, it was just that one like montage, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The I think I have the Speak Now one as well, if I remember correctly. And that one definitely was more traditional in it. I, I, I'm sure they did all the cuts intentionally, uh, so it wasn't like I was like, "What happened?" It, but I just. For me, as my own personal viewer, I was just like slightly overwhelmed by it. I couldn't, I wanted to be able to just like take in the whole, especially some of the dancing. It was like I couldn't fully appreciate all of it because I couldn't stay on one thing long enough, I guess. But maybe I'm just getting older. Could be that. Well, I think that was one of the things I noticed on the tour itself, since I was lucky to see it multiple times. It was very easy to miss things going on because there was so much going on. Gotcha. And there would be something going on at, you know, the front of the catwalk and then also something going on at the back of the stage. Okay, gotcha. So maybe they were just trying to sort of give a 360 view of everything. Stay true to the chaos. Yes, you could see a little bit of everything. Yeah, that could totally be it. Yeah, like I said, I'm sure... I'm sure it was a very intentional decision, so I would love to uh, ask whoever edited it one day. Well, as a musician, I'm curious, if you ever later in your career got a chance to perform with Taylor, what would Mm. you want to perform with her? It could be a song of hers or any song. A song of hers or any song. That is a great question. Um, I think, trying to think of one of hers that would be, it would be cool to do one that was like, not like a straight up duet, but would be like a think like Civil War style where it's just like harmonies the whole time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, something I think it would be really cool to do, obviously, a version of like All Too Well the way I did it. Like, it would be very cool and very flattering, obviously, in all the ways. But if you got to do like one of those kind of versions and then do it with her and like bring both styles together. I think that would be awesome. So something like All Too Well. I think I would want it to be a ballad or one of the Heartbreak songs because I think that would just be more 
enjoyable to like pull out the the emotional side and kind of be able to construct that. So I would probably say I think doing all too well, but do it like Civil War style and have layered harmonies throughout the whole thing instead of like a back and forth duet. I think that would be awesome. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite performances of Taylor's was when she did Safe and Sound with the Civil Wars live. Mm, Yep. And that was kind of like a a stamp timestamp because Civil Wars, you know, broke up not too long after. And so it's one of those things that could never really be recreated because I don't think uh, the Civil Wars are going to play a show together again. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. But to have that kind of style on all too well would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think that would be fun. And it would take some reworking a little bit of just like creating dynamics, but that would be uh, half the fun. So I think that would be a fun one for sure. And I'm also curious what your opinion is of Taylor starting to write more and more songs for other artists, because that's been sort of a new experience for us as fans over the past year. Mm, Yeah. Um, As a songwriter myself and someone who sympathizes, well, as a songwriter, I would say I think it's great, and I think she is should do it just out of the fact that she obviously has a lot of good songs to offer the world. She's she's great, and then as a as a human, I sympathize with the fact that she has been like going steady minus the past you know since the nineteen eighty nine tour ended, uh, where she took an intentional break. She's been going flat out since. Uh, she was probably 13. So as a human, it would be nice for her, I'm sure, to know that she can do some things that make money and like sustain her brand and, and livelihood. Not that she's worried about that right now, but something long term that she can say, I can be 55 and not have to be on the road for, you know, most of the year. I think that probably is nice for her sanity to do some stuff that's not in the spotlight. Uh, so yeah, as a human, I'm, I'm happy that she could do that. And as a, a fan, it's kind of fun to be able to see her put on different hats for different artists. So what do you think, because we're all getting really excited about the possibility of album six. Yeah. What are your predictions for the album or what are you hoping for the album? Yeah, I'm in a weird spot with it. Like last album, I keep saying that I had predictions that seem like I, I said, I, was ahead of Ryan Adams to have the other idea, which is is the truth, but people could just say I'm conveniently knowing these things, but having no proof. I also had a very strong inclination that Taylor Swift's 1989 was like before it was announced that it was 1989 was going to be like very retro eighties space. I think cause I could feel, I think being in Nashville and being like connected to some of the indie scene, you can feel the momentum that had been building with that style mm-hmm. and people like Haim, who I knew that she was friends with. And I was like, I bet she's going to land right in that space. And then lo and behold, I was correct, mm-hmm. which made me feel good. But again, nobody really, I can't really verify it. So all that to say is this album, I kind of have like no idea, which I'm sure she has ideas, but like part of me feels like, She's take, taken this long break and uh, to probably just breathe and to figure out where she wants to go stylistically. But I think the retro 80s vibe of 1989 was such an obvious next step. And I feel like this album doesn't have a super obvious next step to go. And I imagine she probably has, you know, different things she's listening to that has inspired her. But I really have no idea. I, I, 
the most like basic prediction would be she just goes even more like kind of mainstream pop. So, you know, think like, like in my mind, like Justin Bieber pop, where it's not like reminiscent of eighties. It's not, it's just like, it's what is popular in 2017 or 2016 or whatever. So she could go that route or she could kind of like go back a little bit more into like pop, but have some more singer songwriter elements because she might kind of feel like she wants to like speak to some things that take longer than three minutes. But I think my gut instinct is that it'll be kind of straight up really well curated 2017 mainstream pop leaning into that for this album. And then maybe the album after that is when she'll probably like start to strip things back down and be a little bit more like singer songwritery, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I definitely think in the future she'll do something like that. Not now, no, but someday. And I think it will be amazing. Yeah, I'm sure. And even it doesn't even have to be like acoustic stripped down. But I just mean like 1989 was an amazing pop album. But part of my fanness missed the kind of more story vibe of, of her other albums where you felt a little bit more like she's like just speaking to you it's almost like journal style right um and pop just doesn't lend itself to that as well so she mm-hmm. did exactly what you want from a pop album and i imagine she'll do that again for this album but at a certain point she'll probably want to start like just talking about other things and songs again but yeah i don't think she'll do it with this album because she just did such a massive brand flip successfully right you kind of want to keep some momentum with that i imagine what do you guys think i definitely agree with all of that some people we were complaining a few episodes ago about how because there were reports that she was recording in nashville all these tabloids started saying oh taylor's gonna return to country oh yeah and i just think that wouldn't be a smart move she just dominated pop yeah and she made this huge change and it worked so my philosophy is always don't try to fix something that's not broken. Yeah, right. I don't think she should redo 1989. I don't think, and I don't think she will because she always reinvents herself. But I think it will be more like what you said, just mainstream pop, pop that works for 2017. Yeah. And it will be a massive success. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I know we've talked in the past about our hopes that she would maybe take it to a little more of a rock edge. Mm. And I still think it'll be geared towards top 40, but I would be very happy if there were some more, you know, heavy guitar incorporated. And yeah, I don't know if you remember the We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together remake that she did for the 1989 tour, but that was so great. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do uh, vaguely remember that that, because I only saw it from the the video, but that it was more, it was heavier. Yeah, that that would be cool. And I, I think... I remember her being in Nashville for some stuff because I had a buddy who had worked on a couple things, not like for one of the companies that works, you know, with her kind of like secondhand. But I remember she was there doing like prep for shows. Like she was doing recording for basically, I think rehearsals, but I don't remember any like recording. So, I mean, and you don't, even just because you're in Nashville doesn't mean recording either country either way. Right. But I remember it was just rehearsals. It wasn't even like next album stuff from what I had heard. Yeah, she's always been based there. So she usually returns when it comes time for rehearsals with the band. Yeah, yeah. I imagine. I know Amos lives there. So I bet there's a couple others that are still around there. Plus, if you think about her last song, which would have been I Don't Want to Live Forever, that felt like pure pop. But it did have kind of a darker vibe to it. Kind of like what Ashley was saying. Yeah, so kind of leaning into that. 
Yeah, I, I kind of think so. Yeah, I could see that. I'm just excited to find out. Yeah, that's what, like I'm saying, like, yeah, last time I had a pretty, I felt like I knew where it was going, and this time, I think last time I felt like the influences that were acting on her, I was also into, just by happenstance, and this time I have no idea, probably also because she hasn't been, like, doing a lot of posting and all that, so I just have no idea what she is listening to or into, so I, it makes it hard to predict right. what she wants to pull into her new music. Which kind of makes it more exciting, I guess. Do you guys think she'll do like an album like Beyonce drop or she'll do a big promo? We actually have been talking about that a lot. And we kind of have varied opinions Mm. because she's not one to copy. I don't think she'll just copy Beyonce, but I could see her making this a huge surprise. Yeah. But then we also talk about how she really loves promoting and having a big lead up to a release. She's done it all the time. What do you think? I think I thought... I remember when there were rumors going around about that like a year ago, you know, when they thought it was going to come out at the two-year mark, but it didn't, which I didn't think it was going to happen then really because she said she was taking time off. And so she was doing exactly what she was doing, but everyone was like, no, it's actually, she's, and I was like, well, I don't think so. But the, yeah, this time I could see her doing like something like that where it's just like a complete, just random drop and she has enough, you know, fame to pull that off and people would just be blown up, you know, shocked. But on the other hand, she doesn't, like you said, that's not how she's done her release. Like, she she enjoys that, it seems, that story of, like, here's the album, here's the branding. Mm -hmm. I think if she was doing an album, like, a year after the other one, then you could just drop one. But because it's been so long, I bet they don't want it to, like, go wrong. I bet they want to be pretty intentional about how they're going to brand the album and make sure they do it right. That's a really good point. Because it has, it's been the longest she's done in her career, which probably is a strange feeling for all of them. Yeah, definitely. So uh, with June 1st quickly approaching, do you have any shows or performances planned that fans can look out for? Yeah, I, I don't do, I've, I've kind of, this is my, um, this year is kind of me easing into more shows. I've done a lot of like online stuff for a while with my music, but right around June 1st, I'm actually going to be back in my, my hometown because June 3rd, it's kind of like a really random show, but I'm doing a, um, my high school is having their anniversary. And so they invited me to come back and play a set for their like party, basically for their 10 year anniversary for the school existing. So I'm going to that. So I'm going to do a show on June 1st in New Hampshire at just a small local coffee shop. That's like a really cool spot. So if there's any listeners in New Hampshire, June 1st at Union Coffee, which is like New Hampshire, if these people live in New Hampshire, they know, but it's not home of like all things trendy. It's it's New Hampshire, kind of, you know, there's moose on advertisements and <laughs> it's pretty accurate. But uh, so this coffee shop is newer within the last few years and a, a couple younger guys started it uh, who had happened to find my music and reached out. And so I every time I go home, I try to play there. So That'll be kind of like the small, unofficial CD release. And then anyone in Nashville on May 27th, I'm playing at a bar called The Country right in Nashville. And that's, I'll be playing, the album won't be out yet, but I'm going to have at least one of the songs I'll be playing for that. And all that stuff you can find on my social media. And then otherwise, hopefully there'll be an official Nashville release. And then down the line, if I do more, uh, some more touring, I've done some house show touring. And so if I do something like that, I'll let it, everyone know who, who happens to go follow me on social media and all that. Yeah. Do you want to let everyone know what your social media is? 
Yes. At, let me think. So uh, all of it should be just Andrew Glucky. It's G-A-L-U-C-K-I. So Facebook is Andrew Glucky Music, or just look up Andrew Glucky and find the, the music page. Instagram is Instagram.com slash Andrew Glucky or at Andrew Glucky. Twitter is at Andrew Glucky. And um, I think for the song premiere that we played for Last Kiss, I was going to have that available on Noise Trade for when everyone's hearing this so they can go get that for free. So I don't know if uh, we could link that up or you can just go into noisetrade.com and search Andrew Glucky. Yeah, we'll definitely post that on our Twitter. Cool, cool. Yeah, you can you can find that there. And that's if you haven't used Noise Trade before to the fans and to people listening, uh, it's just a great website for getting the free music. So um, yeah, if you want to get that before the album comes out, it's kind of my exclusive that I'm doing. Just I'm not announcing that anywhere except for this. So feel free to go download that and then uh, tune back in on June 1st. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was so great talking to you. And I really loved hearing all about your album creation process. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's like I said, this is the perfect environment to be able to fully geek out and talk about the projects where people actually appreciate some of the nuances. So thanks for having me. Thank you. So we hope you all enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe to us on iTunes. It will download the latest episode for you automatically. And if you have a chance to leave us a review and a five-star rating, that's always appreciated as it helps other people find our show easier. And just a couple reminders on where to contact us. You can find us at SwiftCast13 on all social media channels, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Facebook. You can email us at SwiftCast13Show at gmail.com. And all of this is on our website as well, which is SwiftCast13.com. So I'm just going to ask you guys before we go, do you think this will be the week sometime between May 14th as we're recording this and May 21st that we will see Taylor in public? I don't think yet. Not yet? No. I don't think yet either. Um, We mentioned earlier when we talked about Lord performing at the Billboard Awards those are Sunday the 21st. I doubt there's any way that Taylor shows up, right? No, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think like we talked about earlier, it's a slow return to the public eye, a slow return to social media. So I don't think quite yet. But soon. Because I know a few episodes ago, we talked about our predictions for when she would show up again. And we all kind of had different guesses. So... I feel like it might be sooner rather than later now. Maybe not this week, but maybe not as long as we thought. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I chose a later date, end of June maybe, but I don't think it will be that long now. And we'll finally know what her hair looks like. (laughs) Well, thank you guys again so much for listening. For now, for episode 199, this has been Ashley. Steph. And Adam. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. See ya. Hi, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.